And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Come on, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Well, now let's release faith in this building and give God thanksgiving and glory. The harvest is coming to Linked Up Church now. Harvest of souls comes to us now in the name of Jesus, and God grants us the wisdom to reach them. Love on someone today. Slap them a high five. Give them a shoulder bump, a hug, whatever you're led to do. Speak life into them. Once you're finished doing that, then you can be seated. Praise God. We will conclude today biblical laws of prosperity. Again, what makes something a law is that it works every single time. I want to thank you all for pressing your way out on this holiday weekend. I know a lot of people travel. A lot of people travel in. A lot of different things. So thank you all for making the sacrifice, getting up on a holiday weekend to come hear the Word of God at the house of God. And so we've basically had three opening texts. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 reminds us that faith comes by what? And hearing by what? The Word of God, okay? We don't need to say anything else about that. Uh, Jesus, in his final prayer to God for the disciples, he said, Father, sanctify them through your truth. Your Word is truth. And so if we're ever going to be separate from the world, how many know we have to be sold out on the Word? And the Word has to be the final authority, and it will literally separate us from the world and make the world envious of us as opposed to us being envious to the world. Then finally, Third John chapter 2, uh, really John there writing to his good friend Gaius, and he calls him beloved. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. But he said, even as thy what? Soul prospers. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And all of those need to be aligned so that you can have prosperity in all three areas of your life, okay? Today, we're going to move right to where we need to go to close this series out. Last week, we talked about making deposits. What are the two primary ways to deposit into your heavenly bank account? Tithes and offerings, right? You all are on it. Praise God for that. Two primary ways, right, that God... But obviously, if we put something in, then we should be able to pull something out, right? Now, if any of you all have money in your bank account, which I believe all of you do, and it's growing by leaps and bounds, it's growing supernaturally, knowingly and unknowingly. Unexpected income is just showing up in your account, right? And so what gives you confidence when you go to the ATM machine is that you know you have something in there. Now, you can go there by faith all you want to. If you didn't put nothing in, you can stand there and confess every scripture you want to. You can say, I believe, I receive. Come on, somebody. I mean, you can go through all whatever. You can shout at the machine, all of that. If you didn't put nothing in, don't you go to those ATM machines talking about, God, you said you'd meet all my needs according to you. I don't know how. Now, you need to know how, right? I mean, that's not a good prayer. I don't know how. We need to know how, right? So we're going to look at that today. Today we're going to look at how to make withdrawals or withdrawing from your heavenly bank account. We learned last week how to put it in. This week we're going to learn how to withdraw. So once you realize that you have these deposits in your heavenly account, then you need to learn how to make withdrawals. What I'm getting ready to share today, I've actually never shared at a previous church, Faith Christian Center, or even at Linked Up Church. It's really something that I've been living for 27 years. It's extremely proven in my personal life, and I really want to share it with you all today. I actually learned that one of the first books I was given at the age of 22 was a book by uh, Happy Caldwell, and it was on the subject of giving and receiving. And I pretty much lived by that for 27 straight years. Never shared it publicly, again, waiting on a platform that when God gave me my own, I can kind of share it. Of course, I've modified it and grown over the years. I used to pray to prayer. I'm going to share with you all almost verbatim. I've modified that over the years as the grace message has grown in me and different things like that. But I believe you'll be greatly blessed. Go to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 4 through 6. But let's read them in light of everything that we've been understanding for about the last eight weeks, in particular last week. Colossians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. I'm reading out of the New King, King James Version. Paul writing to the church at Colossae, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is, here it is, laid up for you, where at? In heaven. 
whereof you have heard in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you, it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. So notice what he said. The hope is laid up in heaven. The truth of the gospel is down here on earth. And notice the fruit is in the word of God, and that process will bring forth fruit. So the treasure is in heaven. The word of God is here on the earth. And notice this process, if we work it right, will bring forth fruit. What are you talking about, Pastor? Whenever you put the word of God to work, it produces faith in your life. Right? It's dead if all you did was hear it and you didn't do anything with it. Right? That's called dead faith. So it, the, the principle here is that anytime the word of God is put to work, it'll produce faith in your heart. We know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So faith puts spiritual law into operation. And then watch this. The results are manifested here on earth. So it's already provided for us by grace through faith in heaven. Right? Then our faith, and, and when we operate and act on that faith, then it puts the law of faith in the operation, and it manifests to us here on earth what God has already provided for us in heaven, right? L- let me keep reading here. This is how we were saved. We all understand. How I many know salvation is stored up in heaven for anyone that will believe for it? But where is it manifest at for those who actually act on it? Here on earth, right? Do you all see that? Can everyone see that process? So I want you to think about that. Everything in the kingdom operates this way. Once you act on it, you put it in, right? And then you are able to appropriate what you put in right here on earth. And we're going to talk about today what that looks like. And so uh, finances are the exact same through, uh, same way, same uh, process. Once you make deposits in heaven, then you have a right to call upon those deposits and make withdrawals down here on earth. Now, if you're like me, If I know, I actually, I I keep records down to the penny. And I look at my finances every day. I mean, I watch this. I, I mean, I don't play around with this. So I know when something is off. Right? And once I know it's off, then I have to go find it. But watch this. If I don't know what's in there, how will I know what belongs to me? You also, and I get an attitude. I'm talking about I will go up to the bank and see somebody. <laughs> Just yesterday, a refund check was cut short. Uh, and I immediately called the individual because there was no communication. I mean, no, you can't cut a refund check short without documentation. So I immediately said to him that that was extremely unprofessional and it lacks integrity. And then watch this. Then I sent all of the proof documentation to refute what they said. Watch this. Haven't heard back from them since then. But how many know I will get the remaining balance of that refund? And listen to this. I wouldn't care if it was $15. It's a principle here. You all still with me out there? So how many know you should keep detailed records of what you put in? So you can know what's available to you to withdraw. So I'm going real slow. Every day at the end of the year, I know what I've given. Right? The church gives you a receipt. But how many know I check the receipt the church gives us against my own records? How many know there are human beings in the church that are capable of making mistakes? Right? So I want the church's record to agree with my record so I know what rightfully belongs to me. And it's not for the tax benefit. It's because what I can withdraw back from that is far greater from heaven. I'm going to show you that today. All right? So now, we won't take the time to read this again today, but Malachi chapter 3, God promised those who gave tithes and offerings that they could prove him. They could try him in this area. The word prove literally means to try, try him. Now, I don't know if you come from backgrounds like I come from, but, but I can tell you, once the conversation got to a place where we said, try me if you want to. How I many of there was nothing else to talk about at that point? If they stepped over that line again, now you have to act right around. Bam! 
Oh, yeah, wasn't nothing else to talk about once you said, try me if you want to. Right or wrong. I want you to see what God said here. He literally said, try me in this area. Now, at the age of 22, it started off as a game with me. I said, God, I want to prove you in this area. It was a game. I'll be perfectly honest. I was 22 years old, just got saved. It was a game to me. I want to see if you really are who you said you are in this area. That's how I started. That's how the process started, as a game that I was playing with God. I mean, because he knew I was a kid spiritually, he played along with me. Until enough relationship was built that now it was no longer a game. It was a relationship. You all see the difference? And now it's been a 27-year relationship where God has never let me down. There's no other place in Scripture where God does this. He literally said that he would open you up the windows. Windows uh, in the Greek or Hebrew there is floodgates. He would open you up the floodgates of heaven, and he promised to pour you out a blessing, an anointing, and an ability to succeed and to prosper. So notice, essentially what he's saying here for those that are faithful in their tithes and offerings, what he said is heaven is always open to you. So I believe 24-hour ATM machines, I mean, we didn't invent anything on earth. We only discovered it. You all still with me? I mean, no man on this earth is smarter than God. We just discovered what God already knew. So 24-hour ATM machines comes from heaven because God wanted us the ability to get our resources whenever we needed them. So if it's like that on the earth, why wouldn't it be like that in heaven? So what he's saying to you, heaven is always open to you when you're faithful in this area. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to actually show you this. Ephesians chapter 6, and then we'll actually get into the seven ways you can withdraw. Ephesians chapter 6, let's begin reading at verse 5. So really, it's always going to come from God or it's going to come from man, right? How many know God can do things for you supernaturally? where there were no people involved in that. Or if there was a person involved, you'd never see him again because it was an angel. I've had that happen to me multiple times where one in particular, I was on a plane, I'll never forget it, where literally a lady was sitting in the car, looked like a bag lady, and literally handed me this large, this big bag with all this money in it, handed it to me, walked straight off the plane. And this is before, you know, how many, how many of people don't let you buy them? If your seat was back there, you don't just cut through. Somebody getting ready to slide right over and tell you. It was almost like, I mean, nobody stopped this lady. And she went straight off the plane. And just had never said anything, just here. The Lord told me to give this to you. And it had a, a lot of money in it. And walks off the plane. I had similar situations like that. It's always going to come from God or it's going to come from people, okay? Let me show you two things here. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Look at verse 5. It says, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your what? Heart. So with good will doing service, he's going to remind us again to the Lord and not to what? Whenever you do something, never do it for people. Always do it for God. And we read all those verses last week. Even though men receive what you give here, those men die. But it said there he receives them. So even though you're giving here, it's being received in heaven. And how many know he's keeping accounting records of everything that you give? I'll show you that today as well. Then notice what verse 8 here says. Knowing that whatsoever good anyone does... He will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or what? Now, if you look up the word save there in the Greek, you'll see the same payment or the exact same amount. So literally, whether you, I mean, if you serve here, what God is saying is I'm going to send people to serve you the way you served me. In the same way you've taken care of my business, I'll send people to take care of your business. But he's also saying whatever you've given I'll make sure you get that back. But because he's God, how many know he's always going to go beyond what you've done? 
That's what makes him God. Now, go. let's look at one more. Go to Luke chapter 6. Everyone's familiar with this one. I'll quote it. Luke chapter 6 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall what? Shall what? So notice, God will repay you, and then he'll also use people to repay you. And you should let our story inspire you. I can remember when, how I many know, when you lose your income, I don't care who you are, you're going to react to that. And as a human being, I reacted emotionally until I calmed down and realized, no, I've got a whole lot in an account somewhere that I can trust God for, right? And so what I want you all to understand is what ended up coming back was three times more than my salary. Where did it come from? It came from two places. It came from heaven and it came from people. Can you all see that? But how I many know I could not have withdrawn if I'd never put anything in? So remember last week we learned you lay that up against the time to come? How I many know life happens to everyone? Only a fool thinks they're going to make a whole lot of money for the rest of their lives. How I many know the earth is cyclical? So you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. It's called life. It happens to everyone. What protects you against life is what did you put in to prepare against those low times? You all still with me out there? All right, let's keep going here. So good measure, pressed down, shaking together, shall men give into your bosom. But then once again, for with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be what? Measured back to you again. So he's making it real clear here. What you put in, you're always going to at least get that back. But what makes him God is he's going to give it back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and what? running over. So I used some stories to illustrate this to you on last week. You know, my brother, who I love dearly, and I asked permission to share this story, along with thousands of others, he's a police uh, sergeant. Now, can you imagine putting something in a pension for 25 years? Only for at the end of the 25 years, your organization tells you that the pension uh, failed and, and crashed and and no one uh, will receive any money. The city has now taken over the finances, and, and it's gone into receivership. And, and so no one's going to get a pension. Now, I don't know about you. That, that'll make a police officer do something crazy out there on the street. I just think personally that's wrong. Because they should have at least gotten back what they put in. Even if they didn't get what it was promised to make or the police department wasn't able to match funds like they promised they would do, then those officers, after risking their lives for 25 years, should at least get back what they put in. That's why he told us last week, don't put your trust in uncertain riches. So a couple of things I've shared with you before we get into this today. God promises you, you'll always get back what you put in. Right? But you're going to get back because he's God, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and what? Running over, or he wouldn't be God, right? Okay? But the key to that is, I don't want to mislead anyone, is you have to put something in before you can make withdrawals out. And it's interesting how we understand this in the natural. We've got to understand this in the supernatural as well, right? But what I want to prepare you all for, people are usually who they are consistently, So watch this. If they don't save money in the natural, it's kind of hard to invest money in the supernatural. What puts you in position to begin saving is your investment in the supernatural. Because now God can help you do for yourself what you can't do for yourself. He gets involved. Okay, is everybody clear on that? All right, now. Today we're going to look at, well, can I show you one more? Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let me show it to you one more way. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. We're going to read 15 through 19. It says, Now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared or partnered with me concerning giving and receiving But you only notice it said giving and receiving. That is the opposite sides of the same coin. If you are giving, then you should be what? 
receiving. Those two go hand in hand. If you're giving, then you should be receiving. And watch this. If you've given, you should expect to receive. Right? So he says, no church is partnered with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now watch the language here. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek fruit that abounds, listen to the language, to your what? Account. So Paul understood something about their giving was putting resources in an account. Can you all see that? Paul said, I don't want a gift, what I'm, and that's the right motive for leaders, which we're going to show you next week. He said, I'm not desiring a gift. I'm desiring fruit that abounds to your account. Watch what he says. Now, I have all and abound. I'm full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice that's well-pleasing to God. Now, hold on. He said, I'm full. I received this. But he said it was well-pleasing to God. So isn't that consistent with what we read in Corinthians? Here men receive it, but there he receives it. You all see that? It's interesting that he said, I'm full. I received what what the church, what the ministry needs, right? But God is well-pleased. He would not say God is well-pleased if God was not, if it wasn't going in an account somewhere. Can you all see that? Then look what confidence what he says here. And my God, see, this is what God gives the leader authority to speak this over an entire group of people who operate in this. And I'm getting ready to release something in here in about 10 minutes. I wouldn't let it fly over my head if I were you. But my God shall supply. So notice, even though they gave to a ministry, God did all the supplying where their needs were concerned. It's interesting we look to the wrong people. Man will always be limited in what they can do for you. God is unlimited. You missed a good place to shout amen right there. You come to me and there's a ceiling on what I can do for you. You go to God and there's no ceiling. So he said, my God shall supply some of your needs. What's left after all? So my God shall supply all of your needs according to his, not your riches, not Paul's riches, but according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Folks, I declare that every faithful tither in this building, every faithful person that gives offering in this building, I declare that every need that you currently have and will have in the future will always be met supernaturally in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody ought to thank God for that right now. Come on, Paul, Paul can say that with confidence. My God shall supply. And I'm telling you that my God shall supply every single need that you ever will have in your life supernaturally according to his riches and glory. And let me tell you, when God does something for you, well, somebody might say, well, what is his riches and glory? It's Christ Jesus. It's the word of God. He'll supply your need according to the word of God. Once you find out what the Word of God says and you speak it back to Him, He is now obligated to bring it to pass in your life. There's no greater riches than the Word of God. See, you're still thinking money. I'm telling you what's higher than money is the Word of God. But once again, if I don't know, I cannot withdraw what I have no information about. Okay? Now, before we get into this today, you should watch your finances naturally every week, every day. You should know what's going on. Get your head out of the sand. And every time you give to the kingdom, you need to watch it. And you need to see how it accumulates so that when you need a withdrawal, you know where to go get it. Listen to this. And you can go with confidence because you know you put it in. You all ready? 
Let's look at seven keys to withdrawing from your heavenly bank account. I'm getting ready to go through these fast. It won't take me a lot of time to do this because you all are so primed and ready. All I got to say is, boo, glory, hallelujah. God is good, folks. I can say these things with authority because for 27 years, I never had a bill that didn't get paid. God is not a man that he should lie. Number one, determine the amount you need. Determine the amount you need to withdraw. And be specific, folks. Lord, whatever you want to bless me with, okay, $5. (laughs) Be specific, right? Be careful not to cheat yourself if you know that you've given a lot. God is a giver. You've got to understand that about his character. He's a lover. God is love. How do we know he's love? God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God's a giver, folks. So you're going to a giver that loves you. So be specific about the amount that you need, okay? Determine the amount that you need. Watch this. And then be single-minded. Go to James chapter 1. Let's read verses 6 through 8. Be single-minded. Don't waffle. Don't waver. Listen, this church needs $4.5 million to purchase its dream location. And we have saved almost three quarters of that. On only 9% of the people that faithfully tithe and give. So not only would we be in it, we'd be in it and finished it. If the church just trusted God. And we would have done that without a building fund. How would you all have done it, Pastor? Obedience, which is better than a building fund. James chapter 1, 6 through 8 says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in what? All of his ways. So be single-minded and focused. Once you know what the number is, don't back off of it. Listen, the 4.5 is coming. So y'all think that's a lot of money. It is to man, but it's nothing to God. It's really like $4.50 to God. Number two. Get in agreement. Matthew chapter 18. Go there very quickly. We know in context here it's referring to two people who have ought against each other. But in principle, I'll read to you why we can teach this as a principle. Get in agreement. Matthew 18, 19 and 20 says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning, this is what makes it a principle, anything. That they ask, it will be done for them of my father in where? So they ask on earth, but where does it get done? See, don't you all see how this works? I've showed you over 15 scriptures now to show you how this works. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Okay, so there are three things. This is very important. The highest level of faith is for you individually to just agree with the word. So I don't know if they, they put that up there. Do you all have the three, three areas? I'm not sure if they put those up there. But, but three important areas. Number one is the Word of God. Always agree with the Word, okay? Listen to me, husbands and wives. Your spouse after the Word of God is the highest person you can get in agreement with. And if you don't wake up and smell the coffee as to why Satan fights your marriage so hard, because he knows that once the two of you get in agreement, there's nothing he can do to stop it. So what does he do? He fights. He tries to draw a wedge. He tries to get you all in arguments and, and all kind of little stuff that don't matter about nothing at the end of the day. Hello, somebody. Because if he can keep division in that marriage, then he can keep the blessing out of that marriage. You've got to be smarter than that and say, you know what, baby, let's get Satan out of this and let's me and you get in agreement. And God said, I'll be right there in the midst with you on that one. Whatever you make good on earth, it's already been made good in heaven. Do you all see that? And then the third one is another believer. Never just ask anybody to be in agreement with you. 
I cannot say that enough again. Man, I, listen, I might close the service out right there. Don't just go grab anybody and say, will you be in agreement move? Number one, you want to make sure they're a believer. And you want to make sure that they 100% enthusiastically agree with what it is you're asking them to believe with you for. All right? So get with another believer, but make sure that they are a believer. Okay? That's very important. Number three, take hold of it by faith. So once you know the amount, get in agreement uh, about that situation, and then take hold, number three, take hold of it by faith. Go with me to Mark chapter 11, and I want to show you something here. Mark chapter 11, and let's read verses 22 through 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 says to have faith in who? Have faith in God. Listen to me, folks. I cannot stress this enough. Never put your faith in people. It's getting ready to shock you, including your pastor. Put all your faith in God, and anything that your pastor gives you and anyone else is a plus. But where should all your faith be? So he says, have faith in God. Watch this. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he what says. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall what? Now, I'm going to go real slow. So, number one, you've got to know the amount. Number two, get an agreement. Number three, you have to believe you have it before you have it. Now, if you read and understood what we just read, he does not give you what you prayed for. He only gives you what you believed for when you prayed. So, that tells us a lot of people pray, but they don't even really believe what they prayed. Did you all catch that? How do you know you believe it? You keep saying it. I'm getting married. And you won't say nothing else. You don't, you don't explain that away. Well, you know, I stopped. If, yeah, yeah, I just, if God wants me to, it's never happening. You got to know. You need to tell people with confidence, by this time next year, my whole life might be different. I can remember when I was single, true story, they had me on this singles panel at church. Uh, I'll never forget this, and it was uh, some kind of fashion show, all of this stuff. And so they were planning the, I was single at the time, not even dating anyone. Uh, They were planning next year's event. So the person over the singles ministry, they're planning the next year's event. And I said, I really don't want to be on this committee next year because I don't plan on being single this time next year. So then they said, well, you're not going to get married in one year. I said, I know that, but I'll be far enough down the road that I'll be planning for marriage and not staying single. Well, needless to say, I met who's now my wife that same time, three and a half years later we met. But once you get a single mind about something, you shouldn't say nothing else. We have $4.5 million now. See, we have it before we have it. So I'm not waiting to get it to believe. I believe that's why we're getting it. Still with me out there? So if you didn't learn anything on that point, you never get what you pray for. You only get what you believe when you pray. There's a difference, folks. And it don't take five hours to believe. See, I can be around you for five minutes, and I'll know what you believe. Because all I got to do is listen to what you're saying. And there are trigger points I can ask you. Yeah. One thing, one, on one hand, how many of you know it's one thing to believe to have a good marriage is another thing to actually have a good marriage. Right? right? Well, if you actually believe that, then you're going to act that way. It's good stuff, isn't it? Amen. Anybody glad they came to church today? Amen. I feel like we're just making the devil upset once again. Can somebody just give God a good praise in this place today? Good stuff, good stuff. Number four, take authority over the enemy 
and all his evil forces. I mean, Satan is not getting ready to release $4.5 million without a fight. But because he has no teeth, we don't really concern ourselves with him. He can fight. He just can't win. He can form weapons, but they cannot prosper. All right? So what are you saying here? Take authority over the enemy and all of his evil forces, okay? You have the authority in Jesus' name to order Satan out of your financial affairs, right? That is your responsibility. Stop asking God to do for you what he gave you the authority to do for yourself. Stop saying, God, get him. No, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now I give that power to you. Now you go. And just use the authority of my name, right? Look at here. Uh, look at Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Mark 16, 17. Mark 16, 17 says, These signs shall follow those who what? In my name they shall cast out what? How many know poverty is a demon? That's a demon. If you've ever been broke, you know that's a demon. Come on, I've been there. Come on. I know that's a demon right there, especially when you are hungry and you have no money to get some food. That's a demon trying to keep you from eating. Right? You got to understand that, folks. Satan is literally, he'd love to keep you broke the rest of your life. You got to get him out of your finances. Look at verse 20. And they went out and they preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, right, confirming the word with accompanying signs and wonders. So notice, as long as they worked the word, the Lord worked with them. Go to James chapter 4, verse 7. Somebody ought to take authority over Satan right now in their finances. Tell him to get his hands off of your resources. Come on, get his hands off of your job. Come on, get his hands off of your bank account. Come on, somebody. Take authority over him. I do that every day. I get up every day and I keep him in his place. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, two things, resist the devil. So notice you can't resist the devil if you don't first submit to God. How do I submit to God? I come under his authority. How do I come under his authority? I come under the word of God. And I say, God, your word is the final authority that settles it in my life. That's what I believe. That's what I agree with. That's what I live. A lot of people say, well, then I'm going to resist the devil. You just resisted the devil when you decided to believe the word of God. You don't spend all your time fighting against him. Satan, I told you. No, just act on the word of God and you resisted the devil. Too many people slaying demons. All their prayer life is slaying demons. If you come from churches that I come from, everything was a demon. We'd have prayer services, and when I came in the building, I saw a demon over on the other building. And, and I, I, really? And everybody was focused on demons. What I'm telling you is focus on the Word of God, and you've resisted Satan when you decide to obey the Word of God. Oh, that's simple. And it says resist the devil, all right? Submit to God, resist the devil, and watch what he'll do. He'll what? So you shouldn't be running from him. He should be running from you. What do I care about a demon up on a building for? Stay up on the building. I'm in the church now. Means them how we can be demon focused. So we think to resist the devil, I gotta do a whole lot. No, just obey the word of God. And you resisted the devil. Isn't that good? Oh, that's good. Number five, release your angels. Right? So number one, right, we gotta determine the amount. Number two, we gotta get in agreement. Number three, we got to take hold of it by faith. We got to have it before we have it. 
Number four, we got to take authority over the enemy. Number five, release your angels. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 4, 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Psalms 103 uh, stanza 20. Go to Psalms 103 stanza 20. Release your angels. Watch this now. Bless the Lord. Psalms 103 stanza 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So when you use the word in the name of Jesus, then the angels are obligated to follow that, obey that, and carry that out to the uh, specifications that you laid out for them. But if, listen to this, if you don't, do you all realize you've got angels that are just waiting for you to tell them what to do? They're just on standby, and they're big. Just waiting on standby for you to give them instructions from the Word of God, I mean, specifically designed for what you need them to do. I mean, now they have to instantly obey that and then carry that out. The building I'm telling you all about, folks, has gone untouched. It's almost been five or six years now. I don't, I, you, this will shock you, but I tell angels to guard the building. And keep it till we're ready for it. And we're, we're heading right in that direction. Think about where we're at, folks, with only 9% of the people. So I want you all to see that 91% of this church doesn't trust God financially. <laughs> and you know, people will tell me the grace message. I don't have to do that. Well, if you read what we read last week, I don't, I, listen, I don't, I, don't, I don't have to tithe. It's a privilege to do that. If a person really had a true revelation of the grace message, then you say the least you could do. It's just a measure for how good God has been to me, even when I didn't deserve for him to be good to me. That's the least I could do is give him 10%. That's a person who has a true revelation of grace. Other people are just justifying again why they don't do it. Number six. Praise God, it is done. How many of y'all know you are fully over in the faith when you've got linen in your pockets, but you're praising God that every bill has already been paid? How many of that's a faith person right there? I'm, I'm talking about just got fired from the job, and they are like, ooh, God, I know you got something. How many of that's a faith person right there? Just received a pink slip. This is what I told my brother. Okay, man stole it, but now instead of believing that you put it in a pension, believe you sold it into the kingdom. So, so this is what I told him. Now give it a seed. And watch God give it all back to you. He never even thought about it like that. So I said, instead of wasting more money through lawsuits and everything, why don't you go to a higher authority? I'm not telling you not to legally fight for what rightfully belongs to you, but what I'm telling you is now sow it as seed. Switch the purpose of it. Repurpose it and watch God get it all back to you. And then I told him, because I'm your brother, you're never going to go without anyway. So I said, if you retire, man, you know how much experience you have? We'll hire you yesterday. But as long as I'm your brother, you will never go without eating. How I many of you know we need more people like this in there? See, it comforted him. I said, let's repurpose that money now. Now let's sow it as seed. Satan stole it, but we say that the scripture says that the thief be found, then he has to return it back seven times greater. So I said, let's not only get your full pension back, let's get it back seven times greater. Praise keeps the door of abundance wide open. 
The channel between you and God is clear so that you can receive from him. Go to Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, and put that prayer up there for me, and we're getting ready to close this service out. How many of y'all are ready to make some withdrawals out of your heavenly bank account? How many of y'all are just learning this for the first time, how to actually withdraw your resources? Raise your hand if you're just learning this for the first time. That's the majority of the room. I've been operating this for 27 years, okay? Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, praise God, it is done. So prayer, praise is what keeps the door of abundance open. It says, be anxious or don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds through Christ Jesus. I like to tell people, you've heard me say it before, if you're going to worry about it, then don't pray about it. But then if you're going to pray about it, don't worry about it. But you cannot do both at the same time. All right? Now, how many of y'all faithfully tithe in here? How many of y'all faithfully tithe and faithfully give offerings? All right? Praise God for that. All right? Now, if you didn't raise your hand, I know you all think I didn't take a mental picture or something like that. I'm, I just want you to act on something here that, that, that we just talked about. I want you to get a figure in your mind that you know you need. Could be a bill or something that you need to pay. Just get a figure. Okay? Put your cameras down. We, we, we're acting on something right now. We're getting ready to get to that. They're not listening to a word I'm saying. (laughs) We'll get to that. Get a figure in your mind. I'm getting a figure in mind, okay, what this church needs. Nothing for my family personally, what this church needs. Get a figure in your mind, okay? Don't you get that figure in your mind? You have it? Okay. You sure? All right. I want you to get in agreement with the Word of God about that figure, okay? Get in agreement with the Word of God, okay? Now, I want you to take hold of it by faith. I want you to believe that you already have it before you have it. Take hold of it by faith. Declare that it's yours. Okay? Now I want you to take authority over the enemy. Let Satan know that he has no right to stop these resources from coming into your life. Do it. Do it by faith. Okay? Now I want you to release angels. Say, ministering angels, go for Cause this harvest to return to me now. Okay? Now if you really believe that, Go ahead and praise God like you already have. I'm talking about, is that really how you would act if you really had that in your hands right now? All right, praise God. Now, you can be seated. Now, this is a sample prayer that I prayed for, wow, probably 10 straight years. I no longer, obviously, it's in me. I don't follow the guideline. I had to go way back into my notes to pull this back up to share with you all because this is a good starting point. So number seven today, this is a sample prayer guide for you, okay, whether you're praying by yourself or with your spouse, okay? Simply says, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you for, be specific, I have this money in my heavenly account, and I am withdrawing this amount now. I believe I received the exact amount according to Mark 11, 24. I uh, believe it in my heart and confess it now that it is mine in the name of Jesus. I agree that I have, again, specifically the amount according to Matthew 18, 19. From this day forward, I roll the care of this over on you and thank you for it. Satan, in the name of Jesus... I take authority over you. I use my authority now and render you powerless over my finances or in my finances. Ministering spirits, I charge you to go for Cause this amount to come to me according to Psalms 103.20. Father, I praise your name for meeting my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus and for multiplying my seed for sowing in the name of Jesus. Okay. 
and you allow yourself to master that until it becomes a part of you. All right, now I said a whole lot today, right? If you don't know what's in there, you don't know what you can withdraw, right? Preferably before you go to the bank, you know the money is in there before you try to make a withdrawal. Anyone in here willing to be honest with me? How many of y'all have gone and received a slip back insufficient funds? Just be honest. It's okay. Raise your hand. Look around the room so you know you're not by yourself. Come on, don't lie in the house of God. I know there's more people in here. Come on, you went there like hoping that something else didn't get withdrawn out and you can sneak it out before that other one was taken out. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on. So sometimes you deposit it and take it out and, and redeposit. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about, right? And you send this bill, I got seven days before this will clear in this account. Let me take this out, believe to get it back in before they put. Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about, right? Right? I'm trying to tell you those days are over. If you listen very carefully to what you've learned over these last eight to nine weeks. Do y'all get anything out of this series? Come on, let's lift our hands, give God glory. Let's all just stand to our feet. Let's lift our hands and give God glory for what we heard, for what we learned today. Now, we'll find a way to put that prayer somewhere if you weren't able to take a picture of it or write it down as fast as you could. How many of y'all would like to get that? We'd like to, to get that, okay? We'll figure out how to do it on our website some kind of way uh, through a blog post or something like that. But we'll make it available to everyone in this building, okay? I want you to lift your hands to the Father right now. Just lift your hands to the Father. Folks, life is serious. And we all need to get serious about life. We have a real enemy out here. He's been defeated. And he can only defeat those who don't know what rightfully belongs to them. And so I just want you to lift your hands to the Father God right now. And I just want you to begin to talk to him about where you've been spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. I want you to talk to God out of your own heart right now. And I want you to make a decision. And don't make this so that you can get money. Make this so that you can have a better relationship with God. The money will take care of itself. And so just begin to talk to him right there out of your own heart. Father, I'm praying for this congregation that we'll flip that upside down, Father, or really right side up. Instead of having 91% of our people who don't believe in this area, or really, I, I believe they do believe, but they don't trust you enough. Father, I'm praying right now that this church will be a 100% obedient church in this area. Not because of the church, but because of their trust and their love for you and your word. And Father, for every person that will act on this from this day forward, show yourself strong on their behalf. Let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they can prove you in this area. And that you'll confirm your word with signs and wonders, Father. And so, Father, I take authority over everything that has hindered them right now. And I release faith and obedience in this room in the name of Jesus. Now, while you're in that attitude of prayer, I want you to look up here at me for a moment. If you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it starts right there.